Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Green Room Podcast at DetroitNews.com. I'm Tony Paul, joined by, as always, our Michigan State beat writer, who's in a car at Parts Unknown right now, uh, Matt Charbonneau. And, you don't uh, have to tell people that. Come on. Where are you driving to? No, I'm in East Lansing. I'm just waiting oh. for a basketball practice. Oh, you're, in, oh, you're in like a fast food line or something. All right. Uh, <laughs> that hurts. Yeah. Um, so we got a lot to catch up on. We haven't done one of these in a little bit as football season wound down. So we'll catch up on. Uh, look ahead a little bit to the Peach Bowl. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about Michigan State basketball, which has a huge game on Tuesday. Biggest <laughs> game ever at Little Caesars Arena against the mighty Golden Grizzlies of Oakland University. Uh, always a fun game. So we'll talk about that. And again, the Peach Bowl. But first, we want to get started. This was this week was uh, early signing day for college football. Uh, lots going on um, in relation to our state with Michigan, Michigan State, um, and uh, they're uh, pretty acclaimed recruiting classes, I guess, uh, for Jim Harbaugh and Mel Tucker. And for that, we're joined by a special guest. Always enjoy having him on, the Midwest recruiting analyst for 247 Sports uh, and also a Detroit News contributor, Alan True. Alan, thanks for joining us in between your uh, your comedy acts. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> everything happened at once this week. So that's, uh, although I don't mind it, let's just load everything up. Holidays, comedy, <laughs> signing. Let's just, let's just get it all out of the way. Oh, very good. I know you're busy and we appreciate you taking the time as always to uh, talk about this. Uh, the recruiting, I guess, uh, I mean, just to run things down, um, uh, the numbers vary a little bit between 15th and 21st, depending on the website you look at for Michigan state's recruiting class, 22 high school seniors, four transfers, I guess, general in a nutshell, um, how does this class look to you and, uh, are things trending in the right direction for Michigan state? Yeah, I think like you said, you, the numbers can vary, um, depending on what you look at, what metrics you look at. But I think the, the bottom line is it's a very successful class. It's one of the highest ranked classes in the internet era for Michigan state. And when you consider that this is really only, this is, this is the second recruiting class here, but it is really the first one that they weren't restricted by anything. I think Mel Tucker and his staff have shown that there's still upside to their recruiting abilities. They've been able to go into the portal and get talent out of there that can obviously help them immediately, but the high school recruiting has not suffered for it. The kids are responding well to them. High school coaches are responding well to them. And, and, and we tend to focus on the guys who are signing. If you look at some of the guys that they didn't get even – to be in on a guy like Keontae Goodwin, a five-star who's committed to Kentucky, um, to be it's still battling for him uh, on the last day of the early signing period to the point where the kid wasn't sure what he was going to do. I think that really shows you that they can be a force to be reckoned with on the recruiting trail. Yeah, that Goodwin one was the interesting one to me. Obviously, people were paying attention to it with, you know, with the way he opened the day by saying he hadn't decided and the time kept changing. But um, 
you know, kind of, kind of a different sort of story. We don't see that a lot for Michigan State guys, but I, I do want to hit on that, just the idea of the guys they're getting to be interested. Mel Tucker talked about that this week, that, you know, that's maybe a place where you're seeing what they've done on the field kind of change perception for people. And it maybe not so much in this class because a lot of the guys were committed already, but he's starting to feel that out on the out on the recruiting trail that that that's building momentum and guys that maybe weren't interested before are now interested and they're getting in on these sort of guys. Is, do you see that happening and that being a result of what they've done on the field? Yeah, absolutely. I, I do think so. And, and uh, you know, I think that is the other remarkable thing about this class. You had a lot of guys committing to them before the season even started. So you know, I get asked a lot this week about how much the season helped them when it came to getting a, you know, a quarterback like Hayton Hauser from California and, and some of those big gets, it didn't, you know, those guys were committed before the season, but I think in terms of closing strong, being able to get a Keontae Goodwin on campus, being able to flip a guy like Malcolm Jones from Virginia tech, flip Caleb Coley, who was committed to Vanderbilt. I certainly think it helped with those guys. They are the response. Like I said, on the trail, when Mel Tucker and his staff go into a high school now, or go into an in-home, it's much different having that 10 win season behind them. Yeah, I know we talked, too, about the balance of this class having, you know, you don't have like one five-star bringing up the average. You've got, I mean, what, five four-star guys according to the 24-7 rankings. But the other thing I stood out to me is it didn't feel like, I feel like every class there's like a guy or two at the end that kind of get thrown in and they almost feel like, you know, they're the fourth or fifth option guys they just take. In this class, it felt like there wasn't one of those guys. It feels like every guy they took, they – they wanted and they see some sort of upside in them, whether it's as a, you know, an all big 10 guy someday or a, a depth guy, whatever. It seems like every guy they signed was a guy they really wanted and see a role for in this team. There wasn't really any throw-ins. It, it, it just seemed like a really balanced class to me. Yeah. It's extremely balanced for, like I said, from the top ranked guy to the bottom ranked guy. When you look at the, the last few guys who are committed in this class, it wouldn't surprise me if they're getting starters or, legitimate players out of those guys, um, which doesn't always happen. And I think with the transfer portal and with the lower scholarship numbers this year, uh, they probably didn't feel the need to take projects as much to reach on a guy. I think that, you know, what, what has happened with the Mac schools and some of the G five schools having lower scholarship numbers this year is that Michigan and Michigan state and some big 10 schools are signing or not signing, but bringing in really, really good preferred walk on, classes so I think some of the guys that you mentioned as maybe that you would take before as kind of a flyer those guys are they're getting as preferred walk-ons because I think they're bringing in a couple that have a chance to to, to kind of play their way into scholarships later on what about in terms of you know people see uh you know I don't feel like position of need is so much a thing we hear because you know the odds of guys coming like the secondary they they they, they took a lot of guys in the secondary and we saw this team struggle defensively against the pass, but I mean, it's not like they're taking guys expecting to plug them all in next year to suddenly fix this pass defense. So, but still it does kind of, it's interesting that that was a place that they really focused. Um, Does does that become a thing? And how many of these guys do you think really can, you know, have a shot to make make an early impact for this team? Yeah. I, you know, I follow the draft uh, a lot, still do. And that's a lot about filling needs and trying to find, you know, immediate starters and contributors, right? In recruiting, you take every position. You're trying to get depth at every position. But I do think that there is need 
it's not necessarily need to come in and start. It's need to build up a certain room. Right. And so I think that you want to build depth at certain positions and defensive back was clearly one of them. Uh, you had some guys leave. You had Kalen Gervin and some of those guys leave this year. And so you need to replenish that depth. Uh, they were able to do that. And, and I think you've got some real versatility in that secondary with some guys who can play nickel, can play safety, can play cornerback. And it really gives them uh, the, the flexibility to kind of move those guys around under the depth chart where they need them. I want you to tell people, too, about your, your high end Jerron Glover as a guy, as, as one of these three-star kind of middle-of-the-class sort of guys that maybe is underrated. What is it about him that you think is, is going to translate to him kind of outplaying that ranking, I guess? Yeah, I think when you start to get into the three-star range, for us, it gets a little bit daunting because there's so many of them and you're trying to we really try to make sure now that we vet all of those guys and they they can all kind of start to be very samey so you're looking for any kind of verifiable something that can help you say you know this guy might be different than the rest of them i think with him six foot 395 pounds and it's hard to kind of process high school 40 times uh, sometimes so when there's a guy that has a track time you at least know that that has been timed in a way that you can trust. And so 10, nine, I think it was 10, nine, seven. He ran at six foot three, 190 something pounds. You don't see that come along too often. And so then you wonder, is he, is he just a, a big athlete that's raw? Does he need some polish? But now he went out and produced on the field as well. So I think uh, when you look at that and there's just so much talent coming out of Florida, that's why you see that state will produce some three stars who end up being really good. I think all of that put together makes him my choice as a, as, as the three-star guy who most has a chance to turn around in a couple of years and have us rethinking that. Uh, why, why did we put him there? Where does my, my only other question is where does this, uh, I mean, there's not a ton of spots left. I know they can go a little higher with losing guys through the portal. Um, where does this class finish before February? I mean, I, I, I'm not sure we're expecting a ton, um, but are there some high school names to keep an eye on? I know Mel and his staff are always in the portal, but are, are there are there some uncommitted high school guys that you would keep an eye on here the next couple months that they might be after might have a shot at in February? You know, off, off the top of my head, I don't, I don't believe so. What I've learned about this staff, though, is they always seem to have a few cards up their sleeve that we don't uh, know too much about. You know, they got Demari Alston on campus and um, Mal even Malcolm Jones himself wasn't a guy who was talked about much until the end of the cycle. So you never can rule anything out. I'm sure they'll circle back on and look at some guys who are unsigned right now and see if they can get in on some. Uh, I do expect a little bit more transfer portal activity, but at the moment, you know, I wouldn't say there's like a, a high alert type of prospect out there that I would be monitoring between now and February. You touched on something just a minute ago that I'm kind of curious about because I'm not a huge recruiting guy uh, like you get, like you two guys are, but Alan, when you, when you talk about, devoted these stars three, four, I mean, five, I think is, is a little different. I think people, most people would know who a five star is, but like, what is the process? Like how in depth is the process? Like how many eyeballs are on these kids before you, you know, when you're assigning these rankings? Yeah, there's a I, more than ever. Honestly, I, our process evolves every year. We have uh, more people cross checking each other. We have um, more data and more information on the kids than ever before. The spreadsheet that I look at every day that everybody on our staff contributes to with columns of um, these guys is multi-sport data, their statistics, 
camp times, all that stuff. That that is as expansive as ever. My my eyes kind of start to pop out of my head if I look at it for too long. And then more so than ever, we have people cross checking what we do. It you know it used to be in Michigan if I felt a certain way about a guy, I would just kind of put the rating on him, and that would be the end of it. Now we have multiple other staff members who. We watch each other's states. I do the same thing with guys in the other states to, to where if I say like, hey, you know, Jerron Glover maybe deserves another look, they go back and take another look. Um, we have several members of our scouting team now that have worked in college offices and, and understand the scouting from that side. So that's different. Um, it is very in-depth. It's still not perfect. And, and we also, I think, do a better job of monitoring the draft and monitoring college football and going back and looking at guys like a Kenneth Walker and saying, what could we have seen out of him in high school that may have helped us project him better at that time? Uh, all of that makes me feel like I feel much more comfortable sitting here with where the rankings are today than say, you know, back in the 2011 class or something like that. Very interesting. It's just the trend in sports. There's just so much more information today than there's ever been um, yeah, across the board. So, and, and, you know, at the same time, I think because we have so much more information, it's really easy to trick yourself into liking any kid. We have so much information on these guys. They're all good. They all play other sports. They're all the stars at their high school. They're all, all conference, all state. So knowing all that, like I said, you get into, you start to get into the three stars and you're like, well, all of these guys have something about them that puts them here. Right. So how do you start to separate those guys? It's a little bit daunting, but I think, um, I, I think we're really evolving with each, each passing year. Awesome. Awesome. That's Alan True, Midwest Recruiting Analyst for uh, 24-7, 247-247 Sports, uh, and, uh, and uh, Comedian as well. Check out his work there. You can find some clips online. So uh, you got any shows coming up, Alan? Yeah, I'm actually in uh, the village of Caledonia tonight, um, so I'll be doing that. I, I don't really always – look at my schedule ahead of one week so i know that one's coming up and then actually i'm going down i'm going down to orlando for the under armor all america game so i'm going to be away i'm going to be doing that down there and then coming back and figuring out where the next stops are awesome well this is recorded on tuesday december 17th so all those people in caledonia which is by the way where i grew up um in caledonia 49316 how about that small oh, yeah world. Small world. Uh, well, Alan, you can follow Alan on uh, Twitter, Alan True, and uh, check out his work at the Detroit News. He does weekly columns on Michigan, uh, where we didn't get to because this is not the Michigan podcast, and Michigan State. Uh, so check out his work there. Uh, always good stuff and always enjoy having you on. Alan, appreciate the time. Yeah, no problem, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, man. Always, uh, always good stuff. Uh, yeah, we need, I, I don't know. I just, I need someone, an expert to talk me through recruiting because it's just so much information that <laughs> it's that, uh, I just, uh, sometimes get a little bit overwhelmed. Uh, but I think Alan, let's broke be it honest. I, I think you need experts to talk you through a lot of things in life, but yeah, you know. well, that's true. That's true. Yes. Yes. Some certified, um, at some point I'm going to have to talk you through how your, your boys at Oakland aren't going to win on Tuesday. Or, uh, I, I, I'm not predicting that yet. We'll get to that in a little bit, but I, I've not made that <laughs> prediction yet. And they're not my boys from Oakland. I'm just happen to be the only person in the state that gives a damn to cover them. So, uh, I tend to stick up for them a little bit more, but uh, that's the recruiting stuff. You can check out a lot of the recruiting stuff from Alan and Matt. And of course, Angelique on the Michigan side of DetroitNews.com. Um, fascinating stuff, um, for both, both schools. And, uh, you definitely saw – I found it interesting that Alan was saying that a lot of this class was built up before the season, uh, which is you yeah. know, kind of surprising. And I think that speaks a lot 
to what Michigan State likes about Mel Tucker without seeing an overwhelming body of evidence on the field yet. Um, I think they like the fact that he's clearly trending toward being able to build a program. And I think that that, yeah, they, that was the most interesting thing that came out that Alan said that I that I found interesting anyway. Yeah, they like yeah, he's right. Most of those guys were, I mean, I think Antonio Gates Jr. was late um and make but he'd been leaning towards Michigan State. Um, and then of course they had the couple guys, you know, the day of um in terms of Coley and Malcolm Jones. So but still the bulk of this class, he's right, was in. I mean, um so the whole idea that they needed to win 10 games to get a top 20 class is really not, it isn't the thing. Now you could well, say it that it didn't hurt. I mean, you know, no, no, you, no. You, know you go six and six, you may lose a couple of those guys. Maybe, you know, you know. but the, the places it matters and maybe it matters in those transfers they've got, because that's four guys they think will all be able to, well, they're all hoping contribute right away. Um, but not only that, you know, 2023 and beyond, I mean, it really is. It, we saw this a little bit in, under Mark D'Antonio when they had that run there of three years and made the playoffs. You started to see bigger name guys interested, but that didn't really last, and it probably didn't help with that 16 class that went to hell pretty fast with a lot of off-field things. But it, it, it does matter. You're seeing top-level guys. Now Michigan State thing for them, and it might not have been. And it, it was – you know, we were starting to see it a little bit before the season. I think you're right. I mean, that's it's really it's really tough to kind of overstate how important uh, Mel Tucker has been to this and in the job he's done. And I think you're right that you know he got that contract extension. And everyone's like, oh, they they lose by a thousand to Ohio State. That's not why he got the contract extension. You know that they had a chance to beat Ohio State. It was no, all there were people things. in power that saw something that they liked yeah. about where and the program was trending personnel wise. Yeah. Yeah, this is part of it. And they, you know, you see that out on the recruiting trail. You hear it from not only players, but coaches and uh, all over the country. And that, and, and Mel Tucker said an interesting thing the other day. He said, people that recruit against us, you know, basically Big Ten in this region, everyone in our conference knew it was only a matter of time. Now that's, you know, he's beating his own chest a little bit, but it does kind of feel like that. It's like, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when it all comes together and it's happening pretty damn quickly when you look at this class mostly being put together before they played a single game this year. So it certainly shows a sign of momentum all heading in the right direction. Right. For sure. Uh, well, that wraps up. We'll, we'll, we'll put a wrap of bow on uh, the recruiting there and look a little bit ahead to on the field um, coming up December 30th, Michigan state returns to action in the peach bowl, uh, the sponsored peach bowl of the sponsor. I refuse to name. So we'll call it the peach bowl. On December, do you not like the sponsor? Do you not like their uh, their product, or you just don't want to do it? Um, uh, that's uh, I have I, a, I have differences with that sponsor, so we'll just call it the Beach Ball December thirtieth. So do I. Yeah. So yeah, do I. Unfortunately, my kids make me uh, eat it sometimes. Well, they have around, great so, waffle, they yeah. have great waffle fries, which I refuse to to eat, and so I'm suffering. So you know, it's no big deal. It is what it is. Um, Anyway, uh, the Peach Bowl is December 30th down in Atlanta. Michigan State's 10 and 2. They're going to play Pitt, 11 and 2. Of course, everyone talks about, you know, the easy story is the Narduzzi reunion. Of course, he's been gone for a bazillion years. So it's uh, and not quite the story it might have been a few years back. Um, uh, interesting developments in this game overnight. Um, not good developments if you're a fan of watching good football. But uh, no Kenneth Walker III, uh, who opted out to uh, enter the NFL draft. Not a surprise. 
I think we all saw this coming. You know, look, if you're a running back that has the stock of Walker right now, um, running backs shelf life is not long. Uh, and you got to strike while the iron is hot. And he certainly is going to do that. I mean, I think he's he's definitely a top two round pick uh, after the season that he had. So he's certainly um, well within his rights. No, no surprise, no blame there that he's going to opt out of that game. But on the other side, uh, good news for Michigan State's elite defensive backs. <laughs> Kenny, <laughs> Kenny, Kenny Pickett, uh, Pitt's uh, Heisman finalist quarterback, has also opted out. Um, so two of the most explosive uh, playmakers in college football this season will not be on the field down in Atlanta. Um, that, that's good news for Michigan State, uh, for sure. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, but And good news for anyone who wants to bet the under on this game, which is probably plummeting as we speak. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, look, it's still an intriguing matchup. It's still a, a chance for an 11-win season, which don't come around very often. Um, so there's still that. Um, but, uh, as far as the opt-outs, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just, I can't blame these kids and I, I think you're seeing a lot of them and, uh, you know, I think, you know, when you got your future ahead of you and you want to protect that, I, I don't think there's any blame there. Well, and you're right. And I've gotten a few emails. I think most of the response has been positive, but there of course are people who don't like it. And I've gotten a few of these emails and I, I got to tell these people, I mean, you know what? Shut up, basically. I don't know how give me a break. If these people are still out there like, oh, this shows this shows what a what kind of a teammate he is and he doesn't care. I mean, this is a dude that played on an injured ankle for at least the last five or six games. And tell me what he had to gain out of playing that Penn State game with right. an injured ankle in those conditions. It meant a lot to the program to get that 10th win and not finish the season one and three over the last four games. And who was the first guy out there dancing and diving in the snow, doing snow angels. Kenneth Walker was. So I want to hear any of this nonsense about, about how he's not a good teammate and doesn't care. I mean, that's a load of crap. People need to get over it. It's not 1950 anymore. This guy absolutely made the right decision. And I guarantee you there's not a single guy in that locker room. That's mad at him. Not one there's a lot of guys that would love to be in that position but nobody in that program is giving this guy a hard time for that choice I, it just it's a no-brainer I, trust me the kid wants to play he really wants to play in this game but it just you've already mentioned all that it just doesn't make sense for him especially a running back who's got limited time in his career there's no point in it so Maybe if they expand the playoffs and this is a quarterfinal game, then hell yes. Sure. Uh, but well, and that's why you don't, system, you, you, it, is, yeah. oh, it makes no sense. Yeah, you don't see kids opting out of the playoff games. Um, you know, you, no. you just don't. I mean, you, you see kids opting out of exhibition games, which is essentially what these are. Um, they're fun. Yeah. We love the bowl season. It's fun. I mean, I don't mind that there's 45 or whatever bowl games. I think it's fun. It, it keeps you entertained for the month of December and right. January. You know, but the, the bottom line is these games don't mean anything, you know, substantial. So I don't you know. And and at the least the person the least mad at him has to be Mel Tucker. <laughs> um, yeah. We talked about how, you know, the, the higher ups at Michigan State, you know, certainly like the trend, which is a big reason why he was getting the money. But let's be honest. I mean, there's a very good ch- chance that Kenneth Walker earned him <laughs> a big raise, too. You know, Absolutely. Like, so I don't think Mel Tucker, 
You know, I think Mel Tucker handled this fine, and he understood the situation. You know, you see guys like Mike Leach, who I usually love when he talks, but then he comes out and says it's, you know, it's a joke that these kids are opting out. And it's like, well, it's a joke. If it's a joke they're opting out, it's a joke that these college coaches are ditching their teams before a bowl game. We're seeing that over and over again. I mean, you know, Brian Kelly leaves his team before he even knows if they're in the college football playoff. They had a legitimate chance to be in the college football playoff, and he leaves their team. So, you know, for coaches who are making millions – and now the tide's starting to turn a little bit toward the players. They can shut the hell up. They have no they yeah. have no, no, ground to stand on when it comes to that stuff. And I'll say this about Mel Tucker. You know, 10 wins, contract extension or not, I believe he'd still be treating Kenneth sure. Walker the same way. It's a guy who's been in the NFL, understands what these guys are, are, are doing, it's, understands what they're in this for, you know, and it doesn't make you a bad teammate. I mean, look what this guy did for Michigan State. State, what he did for this program. How can you? I mean, well, I just go don't down understand as one of the, how someone in, could. Yeah, one season he's going to go down as one of the greatest players in Michigan State history. I mean, he wins the. Yeah. You know, he wins the Walter Camp Award for Player of the Year. Somehow, isn't you know, isn't a Heisman finalist, but he's still got plenty of Heisman respect. I know that there's some people that are upset about it, but you know, still had one of the best finishes ever by a Spartan in the Heisman voting. Um, clearly respected nationally, um, and uh, in one year you know, really turned the tide uh, and uh, on a program that that needed a jolt and he provided it. Yeah. So, you know, no surprise that he's leaving for the NFL. I think that anyone I I got a couple of emails a while back saying, oh, you can't assume he's leaving. Yeah, I can. Running backs don't have a long shelf life. You you cash in when you can. Um, But, uh, you know, to opt out of the bowl game. No, look, yes, you know, Jake, look at Jake, but, you know, I mean, there's perfect examples. We all like to point to, you know, the Michigan tight end. He plays in the bowl game and suffers another gruesome injury. And his NFL career is limited to end up being limited to three or four years. Probably would have had a much longer, much more prosperous career. Now he comes out today and says, you know, that he has no regrets. And, and I, you know, I don't, I, I don't believe that he does, you know, he had a choice to make, but he also understands that he, you know, he also came out today and said, everyone's got a choice to make whatever's best for you. And you got a chance to make millions of dollars, you know, and set yourself up for how many ever, you know, a lifetime potentially you do it. It's, it's a no brainer. Anyone who has an issue with that. And for, uh, and fans are emotional, whatever. I don't really fault them for thinking the way that they think, but when I hear coaches come out, is there anything to look oh, forward to? The, this? Uh, Go ahead. Yeah. Who was the coach the other day? Gene Chizik. Oh yeah. On and on. Yeah. Someone's NLI well, going, money. Yeah, yeah, how yeah, much yeah. money did this guy get paid to not coach? Oh, I, mean, I, know. I know. How tone deaf can you possibly be? And oh, how much you're not going to get the respect of another player if you get another job again? What a clown. I mean, this yeah. guy made tens of million dollars to not coach. He's growing about uh, an offensive lineman making some money in an NLI deal. It's just like, what the hell are we talking about here? It's right. right. Anyway. No, I, I get it. Speaking of NLI, by the way, there's been reports out that a couple programs are being ex, um, investigated by the NCAA about potential violations for these team-wide for these team-wide uh, deals. Um, and we've heard a couple schools named. We haven't heard Michigan State's name tied to them, but it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because, of course, the football team has a team-wide deal with Matt Ishbia's company, as does the men's basketball team. Um, so it'll be interesting. That's that was always going to be the issue here. It's going to be kind of playing it as we go, making the rules up as we go, because it's such a, a bit, yeah. dramatic change. Um, so it'll be interesting to keep an eye on that. But we're running out of time, as Zoom tells me, because we're still uh, too cheap to pay for the upgrade here at the Detroit News. So uh, we'll, we'll, uh, 
we'll bag the peach bowl, uh, uh, sponsored by, you know, company unknown and, uh, we'll get, we'll get out of that. Uh, but anyway, um, you know, it'll be fun to watch. Um, but you know, obviously not quite the, uh, marquee game that maybe it would have been, um, with a little bit more star power, but understood, understood as well. Um, we'll just touch really quickly on men's basketball. Um, it's been a little bit of a break. There's been Weird. There's been no men's basketball or women's basketball games in the state of Michigan for the last four or five days, obviously final exams, but kind of a weird break. But now uh, they're getting back into it this weekend. Michigan State's next game is Tuesday at Little Caesars Arena, 730 against the mighty Oakland Golden Grizzlies. Michigan State 9-2 and ranked well up there in the AP poll after starting the season unranked and uh, Oakland 7-3, and one of the top teams in the RPI for whoever uses the RPI anymore. Uh, Greg Campy does because I get texts from him all the time about nobody. Be- good- nobody besides Greg Campy. But they are. Need, they are. They are. Let know that they don't use yeah. the. I know. I know. I told him, and he <laughs> he understands. But they are a, a very powerful mid major. Um, they're always decent. Yeah. Uh, but this year they um, they almost won at West Virginia. If you watched the game, they probably should have. They won at Oklahoma State. They won a tournament down in Florida, beating three good mid majors. Um, they've got a good resume, and um, but this is always the one that matters. For Greg Campy, the Michigan State, him at Campy and Tom Izzo, great friends, of course. This is the one that matters. Um, Oakland, the interesting thing about them this year is their defense is actually above average. It's usually a run-and-gun game with Oakland. They, You know, you always used to be able to bet the over on any Oakland game, whatever the over was, and make a small living during the season. But now, not so much. Their defense is actually pretty good. They play a zone um, that uh, – Watching Michigan State this year might give Michigan State a few fits in at least a half court. Uh, maybe, maybe. Uh, I mean, Michigan State's proving. Here's the thing: Michigan State's also right. the team. In fact, the graded Power Five defensive team in the country, and that to me is why this team I think is going to be better than any of us expected because they were so bad defensively last year, which was out of character for an MSU team. But that's the sort of stuff, and that's why I think Oakland is going to be good all year, too. That's the stuff that carries you through so many games. Defense travels, whether you're playing home or on the road. Um, I, that's why these teams are both going to be good. And I, I, I mock the RPI, but um, Oakland's pretty high in the net, too, like 50-something, I think. Yeah, I think um, they've, dropped pretty, a, they've dropped a little bit because they lost that game to Bowling Green. They missed a layup at the, at the yeah. buzzer. But, they're, but they're, they're, they're you know, is, their resume is respected. And I'm not so sure either zone is necessarily it's going to be a Michigan State killer the way I've seen uh, Tyson Walker continue to get better every single game out. And they've got guys, if you're going to give them a bunch of open looks, which you can get in a zone, um, I, I just feel like this Michigan State offense is just kind of scratching the surface right now. Um, so we'll see. Obviously, this Oakland game is always a huge game. It's always a bigger game for Oakland. So there's always that sort of card in there you know you never know how it's going to go like we saw the game in uh, at the palace a few years ago when Kay Felder's layup hung on the hung on the rim and it's still uh, hanging on there it's still hanging up there I think Greg Campy is still uh, uh you know <laughs> he's agonizing himself. which that was that was a tough day I mean he's said it before you don't what this what a win in this game would do for Oakland is you almost can't put a value on it it is it is huge and that's that's the life of playing mid-majors when you are a power five team. That's why it's I give I give Michigan State credit for playing Oakland every year because there is no upside for Michigan State. You know, you win and it's like great, you're supposed to win. But as people have been paying attention, it gets harder and harder and harder every year to win this game. 
And well, most mid-majors, because mid-majors, the gap between Power 5 and mid-major has shrunk so much over the last 10 years that it's not like it used to be. And at some point, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. They're going to win this game at some point. I don't know if it's this year, yeah. but that's you give Michigan State credit for playing it every year because at some point it's going to bite them and there's no upside for them at all. Well, yeah, so, no, there isn't. There you know, isn't. And that's honestly, another. that's why John Beeline, when he was Michigan coach early in his tenure, he, he bailed on the series with Oakland because yeah. um, Oakland almost beat him and he was early in his tenure and he was, you know, it was dicey, you know, he was trying to turn a program around and he flat out admitted, uh, can't be told me. Yeah. And Beeline didn't appreciate that can't be made this public, but Beeline told him, that you know, there's no there's no win for us if we beat you. We're supposed to. If we don't, it hurts. And uh, so, but you know, in Izzo's Izzo doesn't have to worry about that. Obviously, he's a little bit further along in his tenure. He's going out on his own terms. One win, one loss in this series is never going to hurt him. Um, but when we talked about um, when you talk about the value, though, interesting. Campy said the other day that uh, he believes that win a win over at Michigan State. I think it was 15 at the Palace when Michigan State was ranked number one. Although I don't think they had Denzel down. I don't think they had Denzel in that game. But anyway. Yeah, he was, um, he was hurt uh, that day. But yeah, yeah. but um, Campy truly believes that a win, that win, it was on national television. It was the highest rated game on ESPN that year. Um, he believes that win would have brought in millions in donations and probably would have built them a back, basketball practice facility, which if you want to put a value on what it was worth, that's what he thinks it's worth. But um, it's huge for Campy. Uh, I've talked to him before. He'll never admit this publicly, but I honestly believe that a win over Michigan State would mean more to Greg Campy than any trip to the NCAA tournament. I truly believe that's the case. He won't admit that publicly, but uh, I think deep down this guy agonizes over this game, and it's always a fun game. Uh, it's at Little Caesars Arena. Ticket sales are going well. It's going to be another loud crowd there. Um, and uh, you'll be on uh, – actually, it's going to be broadcast locally. It's not, even, it's not broadcast nationally this year. It's on TV 20. Um, so you can check that out. It's going to be fun um, for that. So yeah, it'll be the battle of the market transfers. It. It'll be the battle of the market transfers. Joey Hauser gets yeah. the ball game. Well, well, Michigan State fans will tell you Joey Hauser might not win that one the way he's No, I, I, I think Oakland fans would agree. I think they, they feel like they got the best of the transfers from Marquette. This my favorite thing about this game is is Tom Izzo finally gets matched in his um uh his outbursts and sideline antics. Yeah. Uh, so well it's it's a it's a battle watching those two. Uh, I was. I, I only wish that they would do an ugly sweater game for the two coaches. Um, I know Greg Campy's done it before. It's a holiday game, you know. I know Greg Campy's done it before, but he, Greg Campy told me there's no way Izzo would do it. So if you got any pull up, <laughs> if you got any pull up there and can convince Tom Izzo to throw on an ugly, ugly reindeer sweater or whatever, then uh, see what you can pull off. That game's. I'll Tuesday ask him. I'll ask him today. I'll try and yeah, get him. Do it. We'll see. Do it. Do it. Because Campy says there's <laughs> no way that uh, Tom Izzo will do it. Although it's the era of COVID, they're all dressing casually anyway. So why, not, right. throw, why yep. not throw on that ugly sweater uh, for your game against Oakland? Uh, I know Campy will do it. So that game is Tuesday night at Little Caesars Arena, 7.30. Matt and I will both be there, so you can check out that coverage from that game. Oh, uh, you're going to be there with me? Uh, of course I will. You know I won't miss an Oakland-Michigan State game. Uh, uh, so right. you, can check, you can check that out. Uh, you can also check out all Matt's coverage leading up to the Peach Bowl coming up and all his recruiting stuff that he wrote all week. Lots going on in sports. Uh, you check that out at DetroitNews.com, as well as Angelique stuff. Uh, also, by the way, MSU-wise, you can check out John Neo's column on Kenneth Walker today. That's online. John Neo went down to Memphis and met with uh, um, Walker's parents and has spent some time with them. So um, get to know Kenneth Walker as he's on his way out the door. 
Uh, so you can check yeah. that out on DetroitNews.com. You can check out Matt on Twitter at Matt Charbonneau. Check me out on Tony Paul 1984. That's it for now. We'll catch up in another couple of weeks, maybe recapping the Peach Bowl. Matthew, enjoy the rest of your day. You got it. See ya. 